The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. At 3.40 on this snowy Friday afternoon in the city of Champions. It's a, it's a morning ritual for many, that much-needed cup of joe. But what happens when you skip your morning cup of coffee? Well, a new study has been done on it, and one of the people involved joins us now. Nancy Guest, a registered dietitian spe- specializing in sports. Uh, she's a certified personal trainer, a strength and conditioning coach. She's worked with athletes of all ages at all levels, including our Olympic athletes and NHL players. Welcome to the show, Nancy. Hi there, thanks for having me. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I you know, I, we don't have guests on the show that, uh, you know, don't have something interesting to say, but sometimes personally more interesting than others. Well, because... I saw the story and thought of Andrew. Exactly. Uh, now, I'm a two coffee a morning uh, guy, and if I sleep in and I'm unable to do that and I go directly to work for this show, I, I've said to my co-host, I think I'm going through withdrawal, and it turns out that's possible. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And uh, this differs between people according to your genes. So very small differences in your DNA alphabet can determine whether you can easily go a few days without that morning cup or if you have severe effects such as nausea, vomiting, uh, even triggering a migraine. So some people really have it severe. And can it be quick? I mean, I, I know in the study you talked about perhaps it taking 12 hours, but I noticed the difference within hours. Uh, so you notice the withdrawal if you don't have caffeine, you mean within a few hours? If I don't have, uh, from the time I wake up till the time I start feeling ill and right. and headaches and honestly, I just feel run down, it's within a few hours of uh, waking up if I haven't had coffee in, the, in that time. Right, right. So that's 12 hours uh, after your last dose. Ah, so you would have had some the day before. Right. So that's why most people are going to feel it in the morning because you've gone usually a good 12 hours. So depending Uh, when you had it uh, earlier, if it was earlier or later the day before. But most people are are cutting it off around noon. And so that 24 hours is noon the next day. But if you are more sensitive, it might be as little as 12 hours. But that usually means post the the last time you consume caffeine. Gotcha. Yeah, Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because I have a coffee on the way home. So my last coffee is around eight o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. And then if if by noon the next day I haven't had a coffee, I'm literally ill. Yeah. And most people don't realize that caffeine is a drug. And many of us forget that until we do crave that double, triple shock. (laughs) Uh, So there is some controversy whether it's addictive or not. But certainly uh, in the medical community, if you're, you're missing a dose of a drug and you're having withdrawal symptoms, that really is like a drug addiction. Hmm. And so for some people, this is stronger than others. And uh, I do, I have many clients that uh, need that daily cup and others that can easily skip it for a week. Hmm. And uh, I, I work with athletes and, and my, my PhD research at the University of Toronto is uh, in caffeine and athletic performance and genetics. And certainly we see uh, athletes really depending on a, uh, for performance, even though some of them aren't actually improving their performance. So that's another uh, uh, genetic factor that comes into play. So, yeah, and I wanted to ask you about that, Nancy, about the athletic side of that. You said that you have some clients that depend on it, they believe, for performance, but is it actually improving the performance, or is it just a uh, like placebo effect? Uh, 
Well, and that's a great question because the placebo is a, a very powerful drug in itself. Yeah. Uh, a sugar pill can do wonders. Uh, hmm. Well, in, in my study, I looked at over 100 athletes, and we did find that about half of them had significant improvements in their endurance performance when they took caffeine in a low dose or a moderate dose, equivalent to basically uh, two or four cups right before uh, performing a, a cycling time trial, so basically a 10-kilometer bike race uh, within the lab conditions. And uh, uh, about 40% of them actually really had no effect uh, uh, with the caffeine compared to, compared to placebo. And then about 10%, which really concerns us, do worse when they take caffeine. Mm. So when I'm working with the Canadian Olympic team, uh, I don't want to know on average how everybody no. does when they consume caffeine. I want to know who are those those athletes that do worse, who do better, and who really don't have uh, much of an effect. Because we have to treat that individual. And certainly when we're looking to win a medal, uh, that individual performance is what matters. And that's really this whole move towards personalization, whether it's for health or athletic performance. That, that's a great point. That's, that's to the uh, point our economist uh, tells us from time to time, Todd Hirsch, that if your feet are in a fire and your head's in a block of ice, on average, you're doing pretty good. <laughs> it's, uh, well, it's a comedian host. It's uh, <laughs> it's it's interesting that that there's so many different you know the the folks that have the the direct impact from the caffeine some who it takes a while longer other that don't have anything I know in, in my family and please don't text me don't give me crap about this one every once in a while I'll have a Red Bull um, you know come home after a long day at work Friday want to stay up a little later than normal have a Red Bull don't believe it does absolutely anything. Uh, to me. In fact, I've been able to have a Red Bull and fall asleep, whereas my husband, on the other hand, has a Red Bull and is good to go for the rest of the evening. Um, that all turns back to genetics, you believe? Absolutely, yeah, and we have studies that show this. So uh, according to uh, a gene or an enzyme that we have in our liver, there's a gene that directs uh, how well that enzyme works. And this enzyme uh, determines how quickly you break down caffeine. And so some people are breaking it down very quickly. Some people are breaking it down slowly. So generally, those that are breaking it down slowly will find it more difficult to get to sleep. However, without a genetic test, you don't know for mm -hmm. sure because even though uh, you, you can go to sleep, it doesn't mean that, it, that means perhaps it left your brain quickly so you're not stimulated, but it still could be floating around in your body for several hours. And this sort of brings us to the point of heart health where half the population should stop uh, their, their intake at 200 milligrams, which is really uh, less than a tall brewed Starbucks. Mm -hmm. uh, or, or uh, less than two espresso shots, where the other half of the population uh, can actually will get health benefits from having three, four, or five cups a day of coffee. So <laughs> we really need to consider genetics when we're telling people coffee's good for you or coffee's bad for you, and when it comes to blood pressure and risk of heart attack and, and things like that. So there, there really is a lot uh, of information in our genes. You know, Nancy, and maybe you've said it, and I apologize if I didn't hear it or I didn't understand it, but the one thing I'm just having trouble connecting is that if you're taking caffeine into your body, but it's leaving your body quickly, if you know, relatively quickly in a period of 12 or 24 hours, where's the withdrawal coming from? What What's happening to your body that it's craving something that typically leaves it anyways in a short period of time? 
Well, because there's, even if it's broken down, there's still the metabolites or sort of the, uh, uh, the waste products of the caffeine breakdown, and those also have effects in the brain. So when you get, when you're stimulated by caffeine, there's also a release of dopamine, for example. And dopamine is a feel-good hormone mm-hmm. that boosts our mood, uh, makes us feel energetic. And then there's some other neurotransmitters or, or brain chemicals that help us focus and concentrate. And so it takes a, it takes a bit of time for all of those to deplete to it to a degree that causes you to feel grumpy or tired or have a headache. So, but that, that's, that's a good point. Um, you know, but it, it's similar to other drugs too, You're, unless it's a, a, you know, more, a stronger drug like an amphetamine or something um, where, where you want that next take two hours later, most drugs are, are going to give you that withdrawal effect in a day or two. And, and so is there a safe amount, again, I'm sure it depends on genetics and, uh, you know, so forth, but is there a safe amount of coffee to consume a day? That depends on your genetics. So we have several studies showing that for slow metabolizers of caffeine, which is half the population, so this is not rare, and you can't tell if you're a slow metabolizer. Again, it means maybe uh, you're not stimulated because it left your brain early, but it could still be in your body for another 10 hours. Hmm. Half the population should limit it to two small cups or basically one tall or 12-ounce brewed cup from a, a retail coffee shop. The other half of the population can feel free to have four or five cups and actually have heart protective benefits. Hmm. So in those people, it shows that having more than one coffee is actually better than having zero. So they they have the uh, genetic lottery. Unfortunately, (laughs) I'm one of those who is a slow metabolizer. And as I'm trying to write this PhD thesis here, I I wish I could be having five cups. (laughs) (laughs) 16 hour days. So those, um, that half of the population is very lucky. So not only uh, do they have health benefits, but they actually perform better uh, in, in, with regard to endurance. And there's some other health benefits uh, to the kidneys and, and sort of your blood sugar control. So it seems that the, the rate at which you break down caffeine can provide you with health benefits or potential adverse uh, health risks. But we don't know because we can't all go through genetic testing. Well, you actually can. It's a simple saliva test, and I, I do it with clients, uh, I mean, dozens of clients every month. That, that's part of our field is doing genetic testing for hmm. personalized nutrition. Yeah, so there, there's lots of companies out there doing are you, that now. Are you, you can, yeah. Nancy, are you telling me that I, I can you know, lick a Q-tip and you can tell me how to lose weight based on my genetics? Uh, we can give you some hints for sure. We can definitely tell you if you need more or less vitamins and minerals. And, and uh, yes, with, with regard to low-carb and, and high-carb diets, we can give you some information on that hmm. as well. Well, instead of putting, in my case, a Q-tip in my mouth, I just have to stop putting pizza in my that's, mouth. I think. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah. That's always helpful. <laughs> and hit the treadmill. It seems like you have snow there. So <laughs> you sounded just like my wife right then. And hit the trend bell. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Nancy, it's uh, it's been good talking to you. Uh, and for our listeners, if you want to find out more about Nancy, uh, her website is powerplayweb.com. Interesting, lots of stuff there. Just your, your bio alone is worth uh, sitting down and reading for about an hour. You've been busy, Nancy. <laughs> I have been, but a big part of this is wrapping up next month. I'll complete my PhD and on to other things. So 
thanks for having me. Well, Always can, a real yeah, pleasure, thank Nancy. Thank you so thanks much. Look forward to talking to you again sometime. Have a great weekend, Nancy. Yeah, you too. We've been told by Mounties that uh, Highway 2 North at uh, 50th, what is it, 50th Avenue in mm-hmm. Leduc, right at the overpass, is now open both lanes. But expect delays as uh, traffic slow moving through there this afternoon. We also just received some some numbers from Edmonton Police regarding uh, some collision numbers for today. Between 5.30 this morning and 3.30 this afternoon, uh, 206 Collisions were reported to the Edmonton Police Service. 14 hit and runs, 12 injury collisions, 180 property damage collisions. Yeah, you know, and we often have said on the show, have we not? Uh, don't be a dink. Uh, 14 or 12, what was it? Hit and run collisions. 14, 14. Don't be a dink. You know what? Drive carefully, but if you make a mistake and you tap somebody's car, you hit some property. Uh, come on. Stick around. Leave a note. Phone police. How'd you like that to have? How'd you like to have that happen to you? Mm. And I get it. Like it happens, right? Like you're adjusting to snow and ice, and you lose control of the car, and you accidentally, you know, hit a parked car or something like that. Well, you wouldn't want to come out of your house and find that damage, and nor do they. Little note. Right. That's why you have insurance. Yeah. So make sure you have insurance. Yeah, for sure. That's the other big one. (laughs) 206 total. Was that what it was? That's right. 206 collisions. It was 240 on the first snow day last year. So they say uh, EPS says this is going to be the final update for today. I'm sure it'll be interesting to see what the stats are from uh, 3.31 this afternoon to 5.30 tomorrow morning. We'll keep you updated right here on 630 Ched. A break now for the 4 o'clock news. When we come back, we'll take a look at sports, have your market numbers, and Dirk Bentley tickets. The 630 Ched Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Ched.